0: Welcome to the TCW Investment Perspectives podcast. My name is David Vick, and I'm a product specialist in the Fixed Income Group at TCW. There's been a noticeable pickup in default rates and downgrades in leveraged loans recently. This growing trend reflects clear stress on smaller corporate borrowers stemming from interest rate hikes. Impacts from rate increases often take some time to work their way through the market, and what we're seeing now could continue to grow given we're in the largest and fastest rate hiking cycle we've seen in decades. To discuss this, as well as where we think the credit markets are headed, I'm here today with two senior portfolio managers from our fixed income team, Drew Sweeney and Ken Tashima, to discuss how rates are affecting corporate borrowers lately. Drew joined TCW in 2015 and has been in the industry for 26 years. And in addition to his role as a senior PM, is also a trader for our CLO products and the MetWest Floating Rate Income Fund, and is a member of the Investment Committee in the Fixed Income Group. Ken brings 22 years of industry experience to his role, more than half of which at TCW. And in his role as senior PM, he focuses on credit research in the Fixed Income Group. Drew and Ken, thanks for joining me today. Nice to be here. Hi. Nice to be here. All right. With that, let's get into some of the questions that other people are thinking about. So obviously, the impact of higher rates is felt across financial markets, but the impact is far more acute in those sectors with primarily floating rate coupons like bank loans. What's been the impact of those higher rates so far, both sort of fundamentally and on the market as a whole?
1: Yeah, well, if you think about the bank loan market and you think that most of the acquisitions have been done in the last five years, And the acquisition purchase price multiples were probably somewhere between 10 and 15 times. And so leverage is going to be around six or seven times in a zero rate environment or a low rate environment. And now fast forward to LIBOR at five and a half percent, the interest burden is materially different and wasn't contemplated at inception. So I think think it's interesting because when you think about private equity, which owns 60 to 70 percent of the leverage loan market, they largely seem to be looking through the problem, waiting for rates to go back down. And so it's really about, do companies have the liquidity to bridge the gap from here to there? And what we've seen is so far pretty supportive sponsors, pretty supportive debt holders trying to help companies get through these periods of time. But inevitably, they're dealing with a lot. And if you think about the last three years, it's been kind of crazy because you've had a period of time with zero revenue. You've had a period of time with inventory shortages, and you've had a period of time with massive inflation, and now you're dealing with an interest burden. So you've had all this volatility, and, and that's all impacting how these companies can navigate it.
2: And I, I'll, I'll get pretty basic. I know mean, if you think of, you know, far is above 5% and you have sort of spreads to so the range is 150 to 500. So you have pretty high interest payments, and clearly interest payments will have a direct impact on free cash flow. I'll, uh say something that's interesting about our process here, which is we have a, a loan database with over 700 companies. And even before rates went up, we did an analysis where we shocked our portfolio for higher rates to see what happens to free cash flow in which companies go from positive free cash flow to negative free cash flow due to higher rates specifically. And you know the end result was that we found less than 10% of our portfolio turned free cash flow negative, but When we looked at that sort of left tail of the portfolio, a good majority were for intentional reasons, which is these companies also had high capex. So they might have some sort of capex program for fiber, a fiber build out. And the rest of it was sort of a mix of different companies. And if you fast forward today, what you find with higher rates where there's really pressure is where you combine the higher rates with some other form of inflation or higher wages, issues like destocking, And th- those are the, the combination of those factors is, is where you have problems.
0: Got it. And have, have those factors sort of led to, I know we've seen some, an uptick in, um, in downgrades and uh, potentially some defaults. What's the status of that today? And how does that look over the next six to 12 months, say? Right. So you've got about
1: 12% of the bank loan universe that's going to mature for 2026 so that's the most important component so those companies that have high interest burden high uh, leverage with nearing maturities those are at highest risk and so those companies the agencies have been pretty adamant about downgrading quickly and, and even when they're performing well have been reluctant to upgrade them so In terms of the probability of default, we're actually, I think a lot of people walked into this year saying we'd be at 3.5% by year end. We're really still under 2%. That's probably underrepresented because we've had a lot of selective defaults where companies have gone out and bought back bonds at a discounted level. Some of them have gone back and bought back loans at a discounted level. But that's not really calculated in the default rate. So if we look at the true default rate, we're still under 2%. It's likely to go higher next year but uh but depending how long this rally that goes on and depending on how much private equity wants to reinvest in some of these companies to, to provide liquidity will ultimately determine how high the default rate goes
2: and i would say on default rates saying I mean, they've certainly risen since 2021 but if you look at a longer sort of historical record they're they're within that breathing range i mean sort of Let's say the default rate depending there's different methodologies of calculating default rates but it's in that breathing range of where companies are and you you do you have periods where defaults really spike up and we're well below that like if you look at sort of during the gfc or early 2020 I mean, we're, we're well below those levels sure so defaults are obviously one side of the coin the other side of the coin
0: of course is how bad is, you know, what's the outcome of a default? And, you know, people typically think, I, you know, in my mind that, you know, defaults in loan space typically lead to recovery rates in the 70 to 80% range, given obviously the seniority and security that's typically associated with those. What's the recovery rates we're seeing these days?
1: Lower. Um, so I think as we look at it over the last few years, you're looking at something in the 50s and into the. Probably over the last 20 years now, it's closer to 65% than it was to 70% just because of the last three or four years, it's been lower. Some of that is overstated because it does not include these selective defaults and recoveries outside of the the actual true default rate. But overall, I'd say, you know, without covenants and with the higher leverage levels, you're just seeing lower total recovery.
2: And, and I'll add, like, the, you know, once again, like, depending on the methodology of how you calculate recovery rates. I and mean, that matters, but we're we looking at, you know if you look at all the defaults in the last 12 months, you do have some larger defaults. And for example, you have Envision Health, which is is over six billion dollars of, of loans that defaulted. If you look at Envision within context historically, it's, it's one of the biggest defaults that we've had is sort of top 10-ish. If you look at the previous like defaults in that size before, um, let's say you take a cutoff of 5 billion, the previous default was in 2020 and the one before that was like 2016. So these, these are big defaults. And once you, once you move past sort of annualized, like past Envision, you actually get to a lower rate. You know, we'll see what comes up in the future. But these numbers do get moved by sort of single defaults that are large for sure.
0: So, moving to maybe a little more more macro, I mean, there's signs. I think preliminary signs. Anyway, the economy is starting to slow. Are you guys seeing that reflected in earnings of uh, companies that uh, you're know, in the loan space?
1: Yeah, I I guess when I sit back and look at Q2 2023, I thought overall the earnings were pretty good. There are clear spots segments of the economy that are uh, having more difficulty. Within chemicals, we've had our third quarter of destocking. Within healthcare, we've had a lot of wage inflation. So if it's a healthcare service company, they're dealing with compressed margins for some period of time. That does not appear to be easing as quickly as we originally thought it might. And then within packaging, it's had two quarters of destocking more recently. That appears to get getting through most of that. But the problems that we've felt thus far have been pretty sector specific. And then you know there have been other spaces that have been fine.
2: I, I'd say the same thing. I, we're, we're seeing sort of mixed results for earnings. Like we're seeing some companies that have recovered strongly from pandemic-related disruptions. We see some companies where raw material prices are down, but you know, on the other end, like we see companies that are being challenged due to wage inflation, and, and that's been especially acute in healthcare services, as as Drew pointed out. And destocking, I would say, has sort of impacted some sectors where historically these have been like packaging has been a defensive sector. It generally food and beverage related. It's a consumable product, and with packaging, is suffering from destocking right now. And and that's a little unusual for a, a non-cyclical end market.
1: And so this gets back to if you have a nearing maturity and you're in one of those segments and you're very levered, how do you want to deal with it? Does the sponsor come in? Do they provide additional equity to help pay down debt? And you relever the balance sheet at something for an interest rate environment that's that's higher and wait for true recovery within the space? Or do they go ahead and turn over the keys to the lenders? And then we'll see where the recoveries are.
0: Got it. You talked about, you mentioned some of the sectors that maybe are under a little more pressure. Are there places in the market where you're seeing any opportunities that look especially attractive at this point?
1: It's kind of interesting within loans for for two things. One is I throw out food and beverage. We're still seeing very high purchase price multiples in in these spaces. And so within the loan sector, we have a lot of individual companies that are operating specific brand within food and beverage. And so to the extent that we have episodic volatility in the loan market, we always like to come into those because these, these purchase price multiples of these brands continue to be high. I think the other opportunity that's kind of interesting and we recognized at the beginning of the year is that the loan market has its own technicals and those technicals are driven a lot of times by clo buyers and clo buyers cannot own a lot of triple c's and that's in part because the documents are, are constructed that way and so when the agencies are in a period of time like today where they're downgrading a lot of things and then they're downgrading really prospectively and they only upgrade in the rear view mirror. So when you look at that and you say, okay, you've got this building triple C basket, that's often an opportunity to be buying. So at the beginning of the year, the spread dispersion between single B's and triple C's was in the 90th percentile going back 20 years. And so as we've moved through the year, we've really seen a big rally in the last, you know, particularly three months in these little quality names.
0: Well, Drew, you mentioned CLOs, that's a uh, it's a good point. I mean, you can't really talk about bank loans without talking about the CLO market. What's been, uh, what's been happening in the CLO market and what do you expect over the next, you know, 6 to 12 months?
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because while we look at the loan market and we look at the broader markets and we worry about recessions and, and things that will come next year, both the loan market and the CLO market rallied significantly during the summer. And so we saw liability spreads compress significantly at the AAA level. And with those liability spreads coming in, It makes the ARB more attractive for equity investors. And so we're seeing a pickup in CLO manufacturing, and with that, there's a pickup in demand for loans themselves. And so all of this is, you know, it's sort of a virtuous circle, but liability costs for CLOs have dropped materially over the last three to six months, and that's generated more demand in that space.
0: Great. Great. So the last question is, CLOs are obviously a big part of the market, but there's other investors in CLOs as well. What have you seen um, from people outside the CLO universe who are investors in loans? And is that uh, interest waning? With uh, Do you expect it to fall maybe as interest rates start to come down ultimately over time?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, right now, I mean, 10% yields are plus or minus where you're yielding in the bank loan index. And so there's still a lot of crossover interest when you're looking at buying a high coupon like that. And then if you are worried about defaults and you're earning something 9%, 10 percent it gives you a lot of cushion to get a nice total return despite potential default rate so we're seeing a lot of crossover interest continued at this point but yeah at the end of the day if we start to see the Fed signal for lower rates that will probably change that behavior
0: yep All right. Well, great. Uh, Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate the comments. Lots of things to think about. Some potential speed bumps on the horizon potentially, but um, I think some opportunity there as well. So with that, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next
3: time. Thank you for joining us today on TCW Investment Insights. For more insights from TCW, please visit tcw.com slash insights. This material is for general information purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. TCW, its officers, directors, employees, or clients may have positions in securities or investments mentioned in this publication, which positions may change at any time without notice. While the information and statistical data contained herein are based on sources believed to be reliable, we do not represent that it is accurate and should not be relied on as such or be the basis for an investment decision. The information contained herein may include preliminary information and or, quote, forward-looking statements, end quote. Due to numerous factors, actual events may differ substantially from those presented. TCW assumes no duty to update any forward-looking statements or opinions in this document. Any opinions expressed herein are current only as of the time made and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.